This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. Roger Reno was just an ordinary guy. He was a weaver, and he was a Catholic and he was hanged for the crime of hiding a Catholic priest. The year was 1616, and this was during the English Reformation. When they hung him, he didn't die. The rope broke, and he had hung there for a while, so he was semi-conscious on the ground, and they went to procure another rope and set it up again. During the time, he came to, and then they got the the hanging already again, and then he ran up the scaffold ladder, eager for the hanging, it appeared. And the sheriff, who was in charge of the hanging, asked him, quote, Mr. Reno, why are you in such a hurry to die, unquote. And Roger answered, if you had seen that which I have just seen, you too would be eager to die, unquote. So he was just an ordinary guy, a weaver, but he was a Catholic during the worst of the persecutions during the English Reformation. During his imprisonment, he was imprisoned with Father Thules, a Catholic priest who had been caught. Now, Roger was hung, and anybody who hid a priest would be hung, but priests, they were hunted down, and they were you know, hanged, drawn, disemboweled, quartered, and their body parts fastened around monuments and buildings and bridges so that everybody would know what happens to Catholic priests in 17th century England. But the common person, if they got caught, all they had to do was renounce their religion and they would not suffer the execution. They would not be hung. But of course, Roger didn't. And many ordinary people during that time, ordinary Catholics, They didn't take the easy way out. They would not renounce their faith in Jesus or the church that he had established. And they were killed. When Roger and Father Thules were in prison, there were thieves in prison also waiting a death sentence. And so, you know, they converted them. Even up to the last moments of their life, they did not lose sight of their mission to save souls. Even Roger's last words, if you had seen that which I have just seen, you know, when he was crossing the threshold from life to death, he, you know, obviously had some kind of a vision of of heaven or what was to come. Even then, he's telling the sheriff, and you wonder what went through that sheriff's sheriff's mind when he saw that. In the New Testament, St. Peter tells us in his first letter, always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for the reason for your hope. Well, this transfers also to the ultimate witness. 
always be ready to give the ultimate witness if it's asked of us. Well, how are we going to know if we're ready? You know, we're not going to know that. We just need to persevere in the faith. It's kind of like working out. If you were a couch potato and all you did was, was sit on the couch and you never exercised, you couldn't hope to go run a marathon and even be able to, to do it. And it's the same way in the spiritual life. If we're minimal Catholics, if we're you know people putting in the minimal amount or just getting by, then we can't hope to have heroic, heroic faith and heroic love when it comes down to it, the kind that would be called upon us if we were asked to witness with our very lives. But if we live in a way where we're continually dying to self and we're open to what God wants to do in our souls to grow us in holiness, then that's a better way to get prepared. At least you're, you're getting that way. So many of us hope that if it came down to it, we would give the ultimate witness, but we just don't know. So we pray for grace because it's a gift. It really is. St. Peter was very confident. You know, he said, I'll die with you, Jesus. But then when it came down to it, we know that he denied Christ. And later, later when he grew in his spirituality, when he grew in love with God, when he had the gift of the Holy Spirit in his life, then he was able to give the final witness. But initially he wasn't, even though he was very confident he would be able to. So we really don't know. We need to pray for grace. Another person that I want to bring to mind during this time of the English Reformation was a woman, uh, a wife and mother. Her name was Margaret Clitheroe. And Margaret, she had three children, uh, two boys and a girl. They were teenagers at the time of, of her execution. And her husband was a Protestant. And so she kept the clandestine Catholic activity from him for his safety and her spiritual director had advised her for his safety, don't let him know, you know, what you're doing. But over the years, the persecutions kind of ebbed and flowed, and sometimes they were harder than other times. Certainly, you were fined if you didn't attend the Protestant services. So her husband was a butcher. They had enough money. They would pay the fines. And then over time, there'd be something that happened. Well, you've got to, to serve some sentence in the jail. So there were times when she was jailed. They say that perhaps she even was sent home from jail once to give birth to one of her children. But she was active in her community and everybody loved her, Protestant and Catholic alike. Everybody loved her. She had the joy of the gospel. She was so kind and good to everyone. And she would go to the to the jails and feed people because in those days, if somebody didn't bring you food, you didn't eat. So she just was good and well-loved and a joyful, even though she was living in these very trying times, the joy she had because of her love of God and her hope of salvation, it just flowed through her. And so anytime that she was arrested or something happened, it always was when her husband was gone, they planned it that way. And the sheriff had it in for her. And when her husband was out of town, they searched her home and they found evidence of having a Catholic mass there. And so they arrested her and they did everything really quickly because they knew that the people, Protestant and Catholic alike, they loved her. And there would be a fuss, you know, if something was going to happen to her or if it went to trial and her husband wasn't there, too. And they I think they wanted to deal with her without him being there. And so they arrested her and everything went pretty quickly. She didn't enter a plea because a plea would mean a trial. Well, a trial would mean that her children who were teenagers at the time and 
her friends, her fellow Catholics and whomever would be forced to testify and incriminate her or themselves or other people. So to protect them, she did not enter a plea, which meant that it would be strong and hard punishment. So she thought that she would just be hung, but she was actually had to have hard and, and, and strong punishment. And she was pressed to death and all before her husband got home. It just happened really, really, really quickly. There was a woman who spent the night with her in prison. They, they had her stay with her, a Protestant woman. And, and she reported some of the activity of Margaret the night leading up to her execution. And Margaret, of course, spent a lot of time in prayer. And then she was very resolved. And when she was led to her execution, she was joyful. She was ready. But before she went, she said something. And I think it was kind of telling. She said, regarding her children and her husband, she said, I am discharged of them now. In other words, that was her vocation. And now it wasn't. She had something else to do. And she, she gave the, her final witness, which didn't go well for the sheriff later, uh, what people thought of him. It, it was a, a difficult time for him, obviously, but a very, very sad thing when the community lost, lost her. A great witness. And it was the same for Catholics during the Mexican persecution in uh, the 1920s. Catholics were severely persecuted, especially under the uh, corrupt government, President Calus. And there was a young, a young teen, 14-year-old Jose, Jose Sanchez del Rio. And he loved the Lord. He was a normal kid. He liked to play marbles. He loved horses. You know, he was normal. But his family, they were very religious. They lived the liturgical year. Everything revolved around the Lord and the church and the feasts and the festivals. And he just had a very strong faith. And he wanted to join the resistance. They were called the Cristeros. And his mother wouldn't let him for about a year. But then at 14 years old, she said, go ahead and... And he did. He joined the resistance and he was the standard bearer for an army and a small army. They were all on horseback. You know, he was the standard bearer. And also he he played the bugle for them. Anyway, he got captured and he was imprisoned to be executed. And he was given many, many opportunities to, you know, save his life if he would give out information about the Cristeros, where they were, what their plans were, or if he would deny his faith. And they did terrible things to this young, this young teen. They had him watch the execution of another Cristeros who had been caught. And they hung him. And while the man was hanging there, you know, choking to death, he was trying to comfort him and reminding him of heaven and, and uh, just trying to comfort him in his last moments. They just did everything to break him. And finally... They dug a grave for him and they flailed the bottoms of his feet and they marched him to his gravesite, gave him one more chance to save his life. And he refused and they shot him and he died. But when he was in prison, he was given the opportunity to write his mother a letter and I'm going to read it to you. And it just shows the depth of his conviction and his spiritual life. And here we go. This is from Jose Sanchez Del Rio to his mother. Dear Mama, I was taken prisoner during the fighting today. 
I think that now I am going to die. But that doesn't matter at all, Mama. Please accept God's will. I die very happy because I die on the battlefield right next to our Lord. Don't let yourself be distraught by my death because that would only upset me more. Rather, tell my other brothers to follow the example of the littlest one. He was the youngest in the family. And you just do God's will. Be strong and please send me your blessing together with my dad's. Say goodbye to everyone for me one last time. And finally, accept all the love of your son who misses you so much already and wants to see you much before he dies. Jose. So that was Jose's letter to his mom. And then we know how that all happened. But that was a horrific persecution. It's interesting to know that the world kind of turned a blind eye to what the Catholics were experiencing in Mexico during the, the 1920s. The Knights of Columbus, though, they, they helped, and many of them were martyred, uh, and Ireland. But the United States didn't, didn't help, unfortunately. That's a sad thing. But there were thousands killed, ordinary people, ordinary people. They would hang the bodies on the telegraph poles. And then when the train line would go, you'd see one body right after another every time you saw a pole hanging there for everyone to see. It was just really bad. But these people will look at Mexico today. You know, they, there's a strong faith that comes out of Mexico and they have hung on to their faith in God. Some of the greatest witnesses were ordinary people like you and me, ordinary people. We do know that we will all die, that we're mortal, that we're going to face our death. Most of us, it'll be because we got ill or because of an accident. Rarely is it because of martyrdom, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it comes to it. And we should always keep the end in mind, knowing that our hope is in God, that this life on earth is just like a flash. It's really just a blink of the eye compared to what God has in store for those who love him. So we need to keep an eternal perspective going all the time. And John the 23rd, he's St. John the 23rd. He's one of my favorite popes. He used to say every single day, he would say this, quote, today is a good day to die, unquote. And he said it with a smile. It was, you know, he knew what was in store and where he was going and what the whole plan was. It's been a real privilege to be with you today. Thanks for joining me. On our next program, we will discuss meeting the guardian of the mission. This is Julian Durko with your next mission from God. Pray with me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, produced at the studios of Matriday Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit matridayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatraDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.